Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. series we're calling fully equipped this morning and and we're going to actually get into the where that script where that uh the title our scripture that our title comes from this morning um and uh today's title is called study to show yourself approved but before we do that we'll just kind of do a little recap we started uh last series our, our series last week and uh if you missed it you can get on our podcast and you can you can listen to it but um um we were teaching on the importance of vision and the important role it has in your desire to be a student of the Word. You have to have vision, I believe. I believe it's hard to, to have a desire to study the Word if you don't have vision for your, for your life. And uh, if you lack vision for your life, you'll also lack a desire to know God and His Word. The more time you spend in prayer and the Word, the more vision you begin to have for your life. And I'm I'm not just saying that from a pastoral standpoint. How many of you know that, that uh, pastors and church leaders aren't the only ones that should have vision for their life? CEOs are not the only ones that should have vision for their life. Athletes are not the only ones that should have vision for their life. How many of you know God's given a plan and a purpose for every person sitting in this room? Amen? And, and it takes vision to do that. And, and where you get that vision from for your life in a godly way. Now, there's a lot of other uh, avenues in the world to get it, but it's, it's, uh, it's not going to lead you. Uh, in the paths of righteousness is going to lead you in the paths of self. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can go and get vision for yourself. You can, you can look all over social media and you can say, I just want to look like that person. I want to drive like that person. I want to live like that person. Or you can just have somebody you admire in, in town and I want my life to look like that person's life. And it's okay, I think, to, to, to uh, gain a little bit of um, you know, inspiration from people, but when it comes to you and how God made you, how I many you know every single person is unique? Amen? And there's a unique vision that God has for your life, and uh, if we're going to be in the paths of righteousness for our life, we need to know what God's vision is for our life, and that comes through prayer, and that comes through the Word of God. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without vision, people perish. And then we read Jeremiah 33, 3. I'm going to read it in the Amplified this morning. Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you, and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know, and understand, and cannot distinguish. I'm going to read that again. Call to me. God, this is a, this is a part of prayer. Call to me and I'll answer you. We have to have the confidence to know that God says if someone calls to him, he will answer you. I know a lot of times I've felt in my own life, I don't know if he heard me or not. He heard me. Amen? And he will answer me. I have to know that on God's end, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's a man of his word. And so I'll call to you. He says, call to me and I'll answer you. And I will tell you. When he, when he, call, when he answers you after you've called him, he's going to tell you. And, it, and the Amplified says, and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden. Now, I, I read another translation of this, and it says, it says uh, hidden and fenced in for you. 
hidden and fenced in for you. How many know that God has got some things that he's, he's hidden and fenced in for you, particularly for you? Your special favor, your special giftings that God says, I got this right back here for you. Amen? That ought to make you excited about wanting to see it. It says, why don't, why don't God just show it to me? He says he will if you call to him. If you're calling unto him, he says, I'm going to answer you and I'm going to tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden for you, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. Says you're having a hard time uh, understanding them and distinguishing them. They're not going to just happen by accident. They're going to happen because you searched for him and you searched for his plan and his purpose for your life. I said this last week, vision is the blueprint to your hope. Or I said it like this, hope uh, is, is uh, I'm sorry, vision is hope with a blueprint. I just changed it up this week. Vision is the blueprint to your hope. Vision is the blueprint to your hope. Vision is not just hoping or wanting something great to happen. Once you understand this, it's not just hoping and, and, and wanting something to happen. That's not what vision is. Vision is the roadmap to get there. It's the GPS for your faith to follow. How many of you know hope is not faith? Do you know that? The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if faith is the substance of things hoped for, then therefore hope is not faith. Faith is an action. I've heard one person say it like this, hope is a great or a good waiter. There's been a lot of people die waiting in, waiting in hope. It says hope is a good waiter, but it's a bad receiver. Like it'll wait for a long time. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is the action part of that. Well, the way I see vision is, is that vision is hope's blueprint. So you have a hope for something. I, I hope to have that in my life one day. But vision is the blueprint that, that, that helps you walk it out by faith. Where do I start? Amen? I mean, you know, if, if you said I, I, I wanted to go, um, you know, I, I wanted to go to New York City today. You know, what would you do? Would you, just, would you just wing it? Maybe some of you guys would. Maybe you all got really good uh, directions. How many of you, uh, you're not very, you're not very uh, directionally gifted? Anybody directionally challenged in here? Like if I said head northeast, would you know where to go? Uh, my wife says, stop using cardinal directions. Just tell me, you know, where, just punch it in the, in the phone, right? And, and I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not the greatest at, at, at direction, but I kind of know the sun rises over there and it sets over there. So, you know, that's, that's, I know north, south, east, and west. And I kind of know because I've looked on a map which direction New York is and which direction, you know, uh, California is, okay? And so I kind of got those things figured out. So I might could wing it and eventually find it there. But, you know, that wouldn't be the most effective thing, right? If I had a hope to go to New York City, which I really don't, but if I did have a hope to go to New York City and I wasn't going to take a plane or anything like that, I would have to have vision. And that vision would include the directions that I would need. It would say, you need to start here, right in your driveway. And when you pull up to the end of your driveway, am I going right? Am I going left? That's what vision does for the hope that God puts on the inside of you. Vision is hope's blueprint. Amen? Is that okay? Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may, he may run who reads it. So get in the word and get in prayer so that you can get vision for your life. Amen? So part two, 
Part two this morning is called Study to Show Yourself Approved. And we're going to start uh, reading in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy 3. Now, I will preface what I'm gonna, the things I'm going to read today. I'm fully aware that the Apostle Paul wrote this to a pastor. So I'm fully aware that the context of this, uh, uh, of this uh, passage of Scripture is training up a young pastor. And how many of you know that the Bible talks about every man that has a household, he is the what of his household? He's the priest of his household, right? And, and, if, and if you don't have a husband or, or anything like that, or you don't have a father in the household or whatever, and, and you're, a, you're a female, then guess what? You're the priest of your household, amen? You're the, you're the person that is, that is guiding your life in the Word of God. You're supposed to be. And so when I, when I look at these things, yes, he's talking to Timothy and he's talking to him about uh, what he needs to do to lead the church. But how many of you know every single one of us have got significant lives that God has planned out beforehand and he wants you to be on his path and he wants you to have uh, his vision for your life. And so I was reading here in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 1, and it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. I want you to listen to the way Paul describes the last days, the perilous times, and tell me if it, maybe we're at least kind of close uh, to what he's talking about there. He says, uh, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. I think we see that quite a bit, right? People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I'm telling you, I, I see that almost more than anything. Everybody's spiritual. Everybody knows something about God, right? Everybody knows something uh, about the Bible, but it lacks a power because they're not, they're not fellowshipping with the Word of God. They're not, they're not walking in the paths of righteousness. They just know about the paths a lot of times. So this is talking about some of the last days, perilous times will come. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So that's talking about the world that he lives in. And I think we could say right now, uh, we live in a world that, that pretty well mirrors what the Apostle Paul was talking about. But in verse 10 it says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. So he's talking to, to uh, Timothy, and he's saying, you have carefully followed my doctrine. And he goes on to say, Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, precautions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly. So he talks about the world he's living in. 
He's saying, you followed me. You, under, you know what I've been through. You know what I've done. And he says, but every person that wants, that desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing, uh, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And he goes on, verse 16, says, In all scripture... Every single bit of this scripture says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Watch this. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I, I know I've, I've used this scripture uh, a thousand times, and I've always had in mind a minister but how do you know this scripture, if it's good for me, if it's good for a minister, if it's good for, uh, you know, someone in the ministry, it's good for you. Amen. Right here it says that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How do you know God's got some good works for you to do? You need to be thoroughly equipped. Our, our title of our message series is fully equipped. You need to be fully equipped if you're going to do the good works that God has, has, uh, uh, has for you to do. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So a huge component to being fully equipped to live in this world and walk out the plan of God for our lives is to be such a student of the word that it approves us for active duty. It approves us for active duty. And I kind of got on some stuff here and my, my message isn't going to be really long this morning. Because I, I really want to, for this to soak on the inside of you because I really haven't heard a lot of, of teaching on this as far as, you know, yes, study to show yourself approved. But approved for what? A huge component to being fully equipped to live in this world and walk out the plan of God for our lives is to be such a student of the word that it approves us for active duty in the kingdom of God. So let me preface everything also that I'm saying this morning by saying that the salvation that you received from God through Jesus Christ is all you need to be approved and found in right standing with God. So I'm not talking about your righteousness or your right standing with God. How many of you know Jesus was the only one who could provide that right standing for you? It wasn't about works and it wasn't about your faith and it wasn't about all that. Now you had to receive it by faith. But your salvation through Jesus is what gives you eternal access to the kingdom of God. And you say, well, good. If, if, if that's, all I, that's all I'm shooting for, Pastor. You know, I just want to go through life and, 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 and not miss heaven. You know, I don't want to find myself in hell. So if you're telling me that there's nothing that I can do outside of receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior then, you know, hey, I'm golden and everything else. I'm just going to kind of live my life and, and, and just kind of let, let whatever happens, happens. Well, I'll just tell you that's a sad existence. I'll just tell you that's a sad existence. If, if all you want out of, out of what Jesus Christ did for you is a get-out-of-hell-free card, I would say that you didn't fully understand what you were redeemed from. I don't know about you, but I'm not standing here this morning because I feel like 
I needed to be someone in, in, that stood in front of people two or three times a week and preached the Word of God. I'm, I'm standing here this morning because I know who I was before I received Jesus Christ. I know where I was headed, maybe not fully, but I've got a pretty good idea of where I was headed before I received Jesus Christ. And when I received Jesus Christ, I was so thankful and so, uh, so full of gratitude that now I am eternally redeemed that I want to be about what you want me to do and not what I want to do. Amen. And I'm not saying everybody who gets saved is in the full-time ministry like me, but I'm saying that my, my pursuit of what God ha would have me to do didn't start because I just felt like I wanted to be a preacher. It started where I was redeemed and I was forgiven. And then I began to say, God, what would you have me to do? Amen? Is this okay? So, your salvation through Jesus is what gives you eternal access to the kingdom of God. And I'll say it like this. Just like when you were naturally born, it gave you access to this natural world. And it placed you into a nat the natural family that you were placed into. Now, some of us, you know, uh, some of us, you know, worn out and got a, got a good hand, got dealt a good hand. And others of us maybe not didn't get dealt as quite of a good hand in your natural family, right? It, it, it kind of just the way sometimes it goes. But just like when you were birthed into this natural world, it gave you access to this World. It gave you access to the things here, gave you access to that family that you're in. But just because, I want you to track with me just for a minute because this is one of my main points. But just because you were born into this natural world and placed into a natural family does not mean you are currently equipped to do whatever you want. The option is there, listen, to study and learn skills, to show yourself approved to do anything, but it's not automatic. Is that making any sense to you? How many of you are currently right now doing for a living what your dad or mom did for a living? Raise your hand. Currently doing what your mom and dad did for a living. That may have had an influence on you, but just because your mom and dad did it, doesn't automatically mean that you could have just went out without any training and do it. Right? There had to be what? There had to be some learning. There had to be some studying to show yourself approved. Let me give you a better example. How many of you know that flight is possible? This is kind of a stupid rhetorical question, right? How many know you can go get on an airplane and fly right now? Right? You can go get on an airplane and fly right now. If you desire to become a pilot, you could start taking lessons. You could start studying, I'm sure, in those lessons. I've never taken any because I do not have a desire to fly an airplane. I can tell you that right now. It kind of freaks me out just to even imagine myself flying an airplane. And it freaks me out even more the older I get and understand how fragile mechanical parts are in things. And it also freaks me out even more when I look down on the tarmac and I see maybe the level of quality of people that were supposed to check the plane that I'm about to get in. <laughs> that being said, if I did have a desire to fly an airplane, I could start taking lessons. And I'm sure in those lessons, they make you study the physics of flights and the intricate details of the mechanics 
and electronics of the modern aircraft. And actually, you have to be approved on, on every single uh, type of aircraft that you want to fly before you can fly it. You got to get an instructor. Go get an instructor. And after many hours of precise and supervised practice, I could become a pilot. You could become a pilot. We have studied until we are approved for flight. Amen? We have studied until we found ourselves approved for flight. They, they check off on you. So taking that illustration, that example, as I was studying about this and I was praying about this, I saw where Christians get saved, which births you into the kingdom of God. And they never truly become a student of the word because that's for pastors. And they never truly become a person of prayer because that's for pastors and old ladies. And then they wonder why their life is never soaring for God. They wonder why they've never taken off. Well, I thought when I got saved, everything would just line up. You know, there's some hours that you have to put in before you get approved to operate certain things in the kingdom. Now, somebody can just give you a role. They can like your personality or whatever, and they can say, here you go. But I don't know that anybody just ever liked my personality enough. Just to, I had some friends that way. I had some friends that, that when they decided that they just loved God, they said, I got saved and I love God. The people go, man, I like you. Here, get on this stage and do this. Here, get over here and do this and all that stuff. Me, it was like, hey, why don't you get in the flower bed? Hey, why don't you get out in the yard? You're like a yard guy. It was fine with me. I was just happy to be there. But you know what? I didn't stay in the yard. I didn't stay in the flower bed. Not that that's some days where I would, would rather be. But while I was in the flower bed, while I was in the yard, I was praying. Not all the time. Sometimes I was uttering ugly things under my breath because it was hot and I didn't want to be out there. But then even in those moments, that's when God began to work on my heart. To have humility. And so when I was out there, I'd pray. And as I was praying, God would give me vision. And as he would give me vision, it would give me a desire to go study the word. It would give me a desire to go pray more and, and, and to, to see, to walk some of those things out. Everything I'm doing right now in my life, whether you think it's a big deal or not, I think it's a huge deal. I'm so thankful to be here. But I'll tell you, every single thing that I've ever been from the time I surrendered to God and began to serve God, every single step I was shown before I actually took that step, and it happened in my time of prayer. And it happened because I gave myself to study of the Word of God. And because you, you can't just get that vision in prayer, you can have that vision in prayer, but the confidence comes when that vision in prayer lines up to the Word of God. Because then you say, oh, I've got vision through prayer. God showed me some things about my life in prayer, but also I was reading in the Word of God where it lined right up to the Word of God. And when you've got the, the, the written Word of God lining up to, to the vision that God has given you through prayer, then you can run, as the Scripture says, towards what God has had you to do. You're studying to show yourself approved. There's some hours in the word and prayer before you really start to understand 
how to be a good dad or a good mom. I don't know if you figured that out or not. Anybody ran up against things being a mom or a dad? You go, oh, I got to go to the Word. I got to figure this out. I got to go to prayer. There's some hours. It doesn't just happen. I mean, you just, you know, you just automatically were the best dad and the best mom in the world. Just automatically. No. There's some hours. There's some hours in the Word and prayer before you begin to start to understand how to be the spouse that God would have you to be. You know, I'm shocked a lot of times at how two people in public can look fine and the things that go on or have gone on between them that, you know, it, it just, it hurts my heart when I see it or when I hear about it because, and I'm not saying that Christy and I are perfect by any means. We've had our own share of, 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 of issues but I can honestly say that between us, we, we love each other and we want what's best for each other. And I'm not trying to take advantage of her and she's not trying to take advantage of me. She's not trying to catch me on every corner uh, of being an idiot or anything like that. And I'm not trying to catch her on every corner not doing what I think a, a good wife should do. We're for each other. We're not against each other. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I didn't plan on saying this, so maybe I'll stick right here for just a minute. But if you're not for your spouse, if you're jealous of your spouse, if you never want your spouse to be looked at as better than you, you need a heart change. You need to go sit in the presence of God and you need to get in the word of God. Because you ought to want your spouse to be looked at and viewed at way higher than you ever be looked at. You, you ought to brag on them. You ought not cut them down. They ought to know how much you, you know, uh, especially us guys. I had to learn a long time ago because I was raised in a family where sarcasm was our love language. You know what I mean? If my grandpa was picking on you, he liked you. If he wasn't picking on you, he didn't like you. So I grew up thinking that if, if I like you, I'm going to pick on you. I, I realized real quick not because I was smart, but because Christy told me, don't pick on me like that. I don't like that. And I went, what do you mean you don't like that? Stop being a baby. I'm just picking on you because, you know, I'd never say nothing on purpose to, she's like, well, I can't, I can't dis decipher if you're picking or if you're being mean. So you know what? I had to swallow some pride and go, when I talk to my wife, I'm going to be sweet. Unless I'm not being sweet. And then she knows when I'm sweet. And then she knows when I'm not being sweet. Right? But some of y'all pick and play with your spouse and you're not playing. You're being passive aggressive. And you're sowing seeds of discord into your marriage. And you wonder why you can't stand to be around each other. You ought to start practicing. I'm going to say something nice. If you say something nice to your spouse and they're shocked, you got some work to do. Can I say that again? If you say something nice to your spouse and they go, are you okay? If you genuinely say something nice to your husband or your wife and they think you are on crazy medicine, you got some work to do. You got some years to roll back on that odometer because you have caused some damage in your spouse's life from the mean things that you've said. 
that you said you were playing and you weren't playing, you were sowing those seeds of frustration rather than working those out in prayer and the word. I think the whole reason I preached that message today was for that word right there, but I'll go on and finish my message today because that's going to help some of y'all if you'll lower your pride. Amen? There's some hours in the word and prayer before you start to realize that I don't have to allow the currents of life to push me here and there. But I can swim upstream. I don't have to succumb to the fate that this natural world would have me to become. I have the word of God that tells me different. I have the Holy Spirit that tells me different. And by faith, I'm walking into the life and the person that God has called me to be. No matter your role in the kingdom of God, desire to be more than a novice. No matter what you do in the kingdom of God, desire to be more than just a novice. I want to, I want to read about that, and this, my, this will be my last scripture, and I'll close. Go to uh, 1 Timothy. So we're in 2 Timothy, but go to 1 Timothy, the third chapter. 1 through 16. I'll say that again before I read this. No matter your role in the kingdom of God, no matter what God would have you to do in the kingdom of God, always desire to be more than just a novice. It doesn't matter how old you are either. You can, you can be 80 years old and still be a novice in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you feel like a novice. I'm saying you are. You don't have anything under your belt. This isn't a, a natural age thing. This is about the time that you've spent in the Word, the time that you've spent in prayer, the time that you've spent obeying what you heard in prayer. So uh, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 in 1 Timothy, it says, This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop... Now, we can kind of exchange that for pastor. He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Just to let you in on a little, little of my prayer time, back years and years and years ago when I felt like the Lord dropped in my heart that I was supposed to be a pastor, I'd pray this prayer over me. I'd say, Lord, you said, uh, you said this is a faithful saying that if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good thing. I thank you, Father, right now that I desire that and I'm desiring a good thing. And then I would quote this over my life. I'd say, uh, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Y'all, God's giving me grace on that one right there. For if a man does not know... Uh, how to rule. See, I, I, I vowed that I would not be sarcastic to my wife, but I haven't vowed that I'd be sarcastic to my kids. <laughs> I'm raising them tougher. I'm raising them different. No. Uh, but for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the, of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Whoa, wait a minute. What? Not a novice. Not a novice. What does that mean? You're just a newbie. He says, if you're a novice and you're trying to do things that are not on your pay scale, so to speak, you don't have clearance for that yet. But yet you're, somebody either puts you in that position ignorantly or you, uh, you try to get into areas that you don't know anything about. You haven't spent the time in prayer. You haven't spent the time in the Word. It says that if, if you are, not, it says don't be a novice or that person can't be a novice lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. I remember when I thought I was ready to be a pastor. And I couldn't figure out why it was taking as long as it did 
And then I went through a few things. And guess what? The few things that I went through, I did not handle them correctly. And I knew right then and there, that's why I wasn't ready. I was still a novice. And I'm still learning. I haven't arrived or anything like that. But God knows when you're ready. Amen? But you'll never be ready until you begin to study and, and, and know the Word of God and be, until you get into that place of prayer. It says, Not a novice, lest being puffed up in pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, but... Let these also first be tested and let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not uh, slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wives, ruling their children and their own household well. For those uh, who have served well as deacons obtain them for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And I wouldn't plan on saying this, but I'll just say we have some great deacons. We call them board members, but they have served well. It says right there, guys, that you guys have um, obtained for yourself a good standing. Amen. But the church is the, most is the most powerful when the saints are healthy and mature. We gain that health when we're students of the Word. I know you may not be now, but begin to pray for a hunger to become a student of the word and take faith steps to establish times of study and times of prayer into your daily life. And really, this is my desire. My desire is to see every single one of us approved for flight, so to speak, for what God has called us to be. There's a joy. You're going to find a joy in it when you really begin. Even if you feel like you've had a good study life, had a good prayer life, if you just begin to, to take a, a step up in that, um, I, had a, I had a youth pastor one time, and I got to noticing that um, he didn't write his own messages. And I got to noticing that he just, like, subscribed to a, um, like a, a youth pastor page that they wrote your messages for you, and you just stood up and preached them. And I, I wasn't raised that way. You know, you, you, you can get things from other people. Obviously, I, I listen to other people, and and different things like that. But when it comes to time for me to come and preach you guys a message, um, you know, I, I study for those. I hear from the Lord. And, and I write those out with the scripture. And, uh, and so uh, I was a little bit taken back because of all my eight years of being a youth pastor and then all the other years of just being a minister and a pastor, I had never just straight up gone and downloaded or printed a message off and, and then just regurgitated the message. And so I asked him, I was like, well, what is your, what's your study life like? And he goes, well, you know, and that when, you know, when they say that, you, you know, it's non-existent. And I said, okay. I said, well, I said, we got some work to do. I said, um, you know, I'm going to challenge you. I said, I want you to take the entire week starting today, and I want you to study every single day until you get something from God to give to those teenagers. And I told him, I said, it's like this. I said, and this is, how I feel, this is how I feel about it. If, I said, it's like if you were to call somebody, a family or whatever, and say, hey, you bring the family over, I'm cooking for you. I'll use, I'll use can I use Miss Connie as an example because she's such a wonderful cook and, and has, has cooked and invited us over to her house and cooked some wonderful meals. If Miss Connie told me today, and if you are cooking today, don't feel any pressure to call me or anything like that. 
But if she said, hey, hey, and you bring you and your family over to the house, I cook, I cook dinner. I'd say, oh my gosh, I'm ready for this. This is going to be good. And I get over there and there's dominoes laid out on the table. And I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the pizza. I would be grateful, but shocked. I mean, you know, Miss Connie probably never put dominoes or pizza out on her table like that. She, if she did, she might have handmade the pizza. I don't know. But, you know, it'd be all right for that one time. But, you know, you'd go, you'd go out and, well, how was dinner at Miss Connie's? Oh, it was good. It was fine. It was good. And then a couple weeks later, hey, will you bring the family over? I cooked dinner for y'all. And you got over there, and, they, and she had Whataburger out there. All right. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. Thankful. You no, know, thankful for the meal. No problem. <clears throat> That's a big difference in that. And that if someone got in the kitchen early, maybe even the day before, and I'm talking about sweated down all the vegetables and cooked everything individually before they put it all together. I mean, I know, I, I'm a big boy. I know the difference between whether you got that out of a can or whether you got that out of the garden. And you get in there and you start, I mean, that meal is so rich and you're so appreciative of that home-cooked meal. And I told that guy, I said, I said, you've been serving my teenagers dominoes every week and I want them to start getting home-cooked meals. They need to hear an in-season word from God. And, and so that's called studying to show yourself approved. And in your life, I'm not against devotionals because obviously I just wrote one for you. But you have to go beyond some of that. that those things can be tools. They can be helps. But nothing replaces the time that you spend in the Word getting something from the Word of God and letting the Holy Spirit lead you as He says and guide you into truth. So I gave that guy that challenge and he come back to me after the Wednesday night and he said, Pastor, he said, you were right. He said, the joy that I had delivering that message and, and what they got out of that message was so much better and so much uh, richer than, than I've ever preached before. And you know what? He might have done it two or three more times, but then he just went back to his old ways of just, just downloading stuff off the internet. Well, he wasn't with me. He wasn't with me long. Because we're going to be, if we're going to be ministers, we're going to be ministers. But I would, I would challenge you, even if you're not a minister as a Christian, if, if you're going to be a son or a daughter of God, get in here and find out what he's got for you. Your life's going to be richer for it. And I'm not just talking about financially. You're going, to be, you're going to have more peace. You're going to have more joy. I'm not going to say you're not going to go through hard times, but when you go through hard times, you're going to have so much more of a structure around you when you do go through hard times. Amen? Becoming a student of the Word. Study to show yourself approved. Did anybody get anything out of that this morning? Amen. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.